0: Welcome to The Big Deal, where we'll unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Tredray, along with Andrew Montessi, Dion Heyman and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and more. Don't forget to sign up at www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities.
1: Welcome to another episode of The Big Deal. I'm Andrew Montessi, joined again by AFL legend Warren Tredra. G'day, Tredders. How you doing? Good, mate. Now, mate, it's been a huge week for you in particular. Uh, last week's episode certainly caused a storm when you came out on the show talking about your club, Port Adelaide, and its untenable relationship with coach Ken Hinckley. Now, we're certainly not going to be focusing on this issue every week on the podcast, and I, I know that you're, you don't intend to respond to every talking point and criticism that's come up, but given the outpouring of emotion from fans and interest from the media and AFL community in general, I think there's more to unpack and follow up here, particularly on some of the broader issues. But firstly, just want to know how you're going, mate. How have you handled the week, and how have you seen the response?
0: Um, I been pretty good. Um, and yeah, it's not an easy thing to do, which everyone wants to think they, it is, it's not an easy thing to do to put all this down. And you know, that the club is going to disagree. Um, you know, that you're going to get some kickback. Uh, what I didn't realize is how much support I was going to get, which was been pleasing, but that doesn't make it neither here nor there. It's just an opinion Mm. and just a discussion. But um, it, it's been an interesting week and particularly that Port played well on the weekend. Well, sorry, they, they, they scrapped their way to a win. It was a pretty ugly win. It was against the Tide, but even pre-game, and you know I work with 5AA calling the footy, I said to Tim Ginova, a Port Adelaide great former captain, premiership captain, I said, I, I think Sydney will win. And in the game, it looked like Sydney was going to comfortably win at times, but I also said straight after that, but that this is one of the games where Port can get themselves up for, and win. And they did exactly that. And, then, and credit's got to be given where it's due, they they weren't dominant in the game. They found a way to win. They scrapped their goals. They hung in there. And that's partly what I've been asking for for a long period of time. So full credit to them. And now the challenge awaits that it was an emotive win because there was a lot of talk and you can see the emotion after the game. It's, you know, it was up there. You know, it was a big celebration because they'd felt like was yeah. back's against the wall. But that challenge then awaits again this week. So uh, taking on the Western Bulldogs at home, which is a game you must win to keep your season ticking along.
1: It's, uh, it's interesting. I mean, I saw a, a couple of uh, tweets from commentators who kind of positioned it as a bit of vindication. Does does one win change your views at all? Well, take care when I was a
0: player. Absolutely use it as vindication because you use whatever you can to get yourself the result you want. And I get that, and Port would have wound that up, or even if they didn't wind that up, it was there. Everyone could see it because the way it was reporting was it went big, front and back page of the paper and news services, the whole lot. Um, Does it change my thinking? No, because I still think the situation um, is where it is. Um, One win hasn't changed that thinking. Uh, Like a loss on the weekend wouldn't have changed that thinking, but it would probably cause more pile-on. Towards the club to make a decision from external people, I wouldn't have been going again if Port Adelaide lost. I've said my piece and I've said my points, um, and I stand by those points. And uh, the the interesting way that has been, um, we can get to it how it's been uh, reported or how they've challenged from it is is the interesting bit for mine because uh, a lot of the kickback is a pretty ill informed kickback, for my opinion. Yeah, how so? Oh, I just yeah, you know, I've had discussions with. You know, a number of ex-Port Adelaide greats um, who have said, keep going, but they're not willing to stand up and take the bullets. Um, uh, but they've been saying it for years and all this sort of stuff. And then there's been a few that have, um, haven't have liked what I've said. Um, and I get that. Their relationship is different with their club, whether it is with me. Um, you know, they're, they're sort of socially involved and very hands-on and helping out in bits and pieces. But... What what I have done in a couple of instances is ask those particular people if they've actually listened to everything I've said. And they said, no, I've heard what you've said on radio. Well, what I've said on radio is a small version, as we know. Uh, yeah. Uh, is a longer version of what's been reported on TV or in the newspaper with the grabs. And then it's a bigger version of that, but it's a hell of a lot smaller version than what I've said over 18 to 20 minutes on my podcast detailing why this whole discussion is. So A lot of people don't even realise I said... A comment along the lines of "if the fact that we're actually discussing that round three sounds absolutely ridiculous," but my point was a, a situation what I've seen over you know the past ten years, and even some of these people I've spoken to has agreed that you know in twenty thirteen Port Adelaide when Ken came in it was brilliant. Port Adelaide played finals the first two years, prelim final, missed the grand final by about a kick, but the next two years didn't even play finals at all with a very talented, probably best list under twenty five in the comp. 2017 played finals, ranked fifth, lose to eighth uh, with a shooey goal after the siren. You know, whether it's a free kick or not, who knows. But then the next two years, they missed finals. And then in COVID, who, bar probably the Brisbane or Queensland-based teams, the Adelaide teams were probably ill-affected as least, you know, they weren't Melbourne who were living away from home for six months, I play some really good footy only to sort of no show in a 21 prelim final, missed finals last year. And then this year they're 50, 50. So this is not a discussion, which has been about, um, the first four rounds, three rounds of the season. This has been around a trend I've been seeing. Um, and a lot of people who I've spoken to have taken issue and I get why they've taken issue because the club is a, it's tribal. It's, it's part of your DNA. Um, for me, I'm, yeah, stepping outside of that to go, okay, as a former player, how, do, how does I identify where things are at? And as a commentator, and there's some stuff I don't like. I, I, you know, for for some people say that, you know, I'm just going with the minority who's kicking with a strong breeze because there's people I hate. Ken. well. But now it turns out that I'm causing divide. Well, I can't be causing a divide if there is already a divide there. So that, that's the yeah. interesting challenge with all of this stuff. is that Your comments are going to polarise people. They're going to have an opinion of it. People are going to jump behind it, which I'm fortunate I've had a lot of support in this. But it doesn't really matter unless the club's actually hear it, hearing it themselves because they're in defence mode too and they're trying to uh, continue on their season where they sit right now.
1: You mentioned the enormous response from, from fans. What's been the kind of feedback that you, you've been getting throughout the week?
0: I've been saying this for years. About time someone in the media stood uh, stood up, thanks. And that sounds corny that I'm re- repeating that, but you've seen a lot of the comments that pop up on our mm. big deal uh, Twitter account. Uh, they're, they're everywhere. And, and mm. people have been disgruntled. And I get from a club's point of view, not everyone is going to agree with your direction you take. And I also agree with the situation that um, as Port took their loan in COVID through the AFL, a lot of their spending has to be signed off by that. My understanding is that loan is gone, but they are also got significant debt well, that that's coming down quickly. So it's not like it's a club like Hawthorne or Collingwood. It's got no debt. Uh, West Coast, massively financial, does really, really, you know, <laughs> this is not to be dismissive. That They hmm. make money easier than the other clubs. Right? than, say, for example, yep. Port Adelaide. So a lot of Port Adelaide spending is sort of governed by the AFL, like it is other clubs who have financially sort of been a beneficiary from the AFL, if you know what I mean. So I get a lot of their mm-hmm. decisions are hamstrung, but in a perfect world, that's what I talked about is, well, if, we, if, if everyone knows that um, Ken's not going to be around next year, is it worth a discussion to go for the best interest of the club? And I get there's all those instances. The the acting, you know, the the person who would step in might not want to be that person. I get that. But if we're simply treading water, for me, that's not good enough for a footy club.
1: Yeah, and on that, I mean, one of the things that can be misunderstood is that the AFL and its clubs are supposed to be high-performance organisations, as we so often hear, as they so often tell us. So therefore, like, what kind of expectations should there be in terms of results and also on those responsible for getting those results?
0: Uh, I think they need to be really high expectations because if uh, I spoke to a a friend last week and he's a disgruntled fan, (laughs) clearly, because he picked the phone up and called me and talked about my comments, but he spends about two and a half grand a year. I think it's about four tickets. So it's not a cheap exercise. And then we all know that you go to the footy and those, uh, a bucket of chips is not like it's uh, cost down the fish and chip shop. It's significantly, you get significantly less for probably significantly more. The local pie shop, you don't go to a bakery and you go to the footy and it costs twice as much. Well, we know those things. So the, what I'm trying to say is the financial commitment from the fans who are your fans, who are your lifeblood, who are your economy, they need to be They need to be here, you know, listened to. Um but not at any stretch because there's been a, uh, I can guarantee you, there's been a Ken Hinckley hate crowd for probably, what? Uh, in round three, around year three of his tenure after he played finals, finals and missed the finals the next year. Well, now for me, I've been a massive supporter of the club for probably six or seven years, but I've called out how they handled 2017 at the end of the year. As I said, when the coach wanted to go and everyone knows that. But the fact I talk about it, people get cranky, um, how it was handled, that negotiation, which I've, uh, I've been able as in previous life as a journo to be able to understand that. That didn't sit well to me. Um But then, you know, in in uh, 2021, I was like, wow, they're going really well. In the COVID year, it's really tough. But in twenty twenty, they lost a prelim. They lost it by six solitary points. They didn't take their chances in the first half. Richmond uh, led Dustin Martin team. He dominated the second half of the game, and they lost it. And you go, oh damn, missed opportunity, right? There's no uh, feelings, bad feelings there. Um, but leading into that year, I was frustrated because that was coming off the back of a pretty talented list and they missed two years of finals in a row. But 2020 was a good year. 2021, everything was great until they didn't show up in a final. Mm. And, and people take things personally when the reaction of the fans and people in the media is if you don't perform, it's accountability. So I think a long-winded way to answer your question is I think fans des- absolutely deserve a right. Um, I think absolutely deserve a say um, who governs their club they also but, but it's not the be all and end all too you know they, they are they are the biggest i think investor in the club single investor Yeah, you know, it's why the clubs launch their membership packs before christmas they hope the fans sign up for christmas presents and it's an easy christmas present for dad who just wants to go to footy those types of things and that's what makes football beautiful but the reality is when it gets ugly it turns quickly um and, and nothing you know more short-term than what we saw at St Kilda. Brett Rayton ruthlessly cut last year, Mm. paid out six months um, of a two-year contract, because apparently that's what the clause was. And they bring in Ross Lyon, and all of a sudden now the Saints have started the season very well. So um, Mm. it's governed by all decisions and ruthless decisions, and that was part of my standing up in the first place, is I don't think Port has made all the ruthless decisions that they could have made in that journey.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we just look at, how the English Premier League treats their, their managers when things slightly turn.
0: Yeah, well, Monty, you look at that number, and I know you're referring to it, I think it's 12 or Twelve managers this year yeah, have lost their job. And everyone goes, oh, that's different. They're owned by billionaires, yes, but they are subject to financial fair play, which is you're only allowed to spend a percentage of your turnover, which is sort of like a salary cap. Um, I get they've got the added frustration too where, well, a threat too, that if they fall out of the Premier League, it's about 80 million, you know, pluck a figure. It used to be 30 million pounds. It's gone up significantly. It's probably 50 to 100 million pounds it's worth to stay in the top flight. So if you get relegated, you're gone. And it's even the stage where Chelsea have had a manager at the start of the year, sacked him at the start, put in a new one. Then they've recently sacked him and they've brought back Frank Lampard, who was their manager four managers ago, who got sacked and a club legend as, as the interim. So this is not without the realms of measuring... where where sport is going. So, um, yeah, do we want to see that in footy? No, absolutely not. But I think, as I pointed out in this podcast, I said a mature discussion needs to be had is where they're going or whether it looks, as I said at the time, it looks untenable. I'll be the first to say, got it wrong, If Port play finals and and play really well. But to me, where they're at, it it just feels like it's a year where you're just treading water. You're not swimming anywhere.
1: Yeah. I mean, the other one, the, the big one that flushed out this week is the role of past players yep. so you know you you talked about you've there's been the the public commentary that, that we've seen from some of your former teammates. there's been some private conversations that you've had. What's interesting is what do you think the role is of past players in influencing the future of a club? Um, like what do past players owe their club and what do clubs owe their past players?
0: Uh, this comment probably might. Um, question a few but to be fair I don't think anyone owes anyone anything and I say that from the bottom of my heart you know, does Port Adelaide owe me anything even though my body's got arthritic knees, arthritic shoulder arthritic ankles, can't run and I've got a sore back all the time no, it doesn't because we had a, a great union right, and I grew up a Port player do they owe me anything no, do I owe them anything People always say, yeah, you owe your club. Well, to be fair, you, you, you no one owes anyone anything. And if we rip it all back, mm. and I'm as loyal a port person as there is, even though people want to question that in the last couple of weeks. But I did that off the back of caring and wanting to care. I could have sat quiet like a lot of people who have messaged me and said, well done, but none of them want to stand up because they're not willing to take on the heat that comes with it. Um, but my situation is, you know, Port Adelaide provided me with an opportunity to play in my home state, at my home club, right? I chose to stay out of the draft an extra year. I would have been in the draft the previous year. I stayed with the Port Maggies. Was I disadvantaged by that? No. Was I happy to stay? Yeah. Was I happy to stay for the, my entire career? Yeah. Was there bigger opportunities and more money and uh, on the field and certainly off the field in Melbourne? Yes, that is a, a stated fact. And clubs, particularly Adelaide clubs, uh, always look for former South Australians to come home because getting a top quality Victorian kid might not necessarily resonate with living in Adelaide life in a two-team town, but also the commercial opportunities aren't here compared to they are in Melbourne. So um, for me, I, I don't hold the club accountable. I never asked him for, for any of my injury money or support or anything, and I don't think you should because I went in with open eyes and I, I went into a game where I mm-hmm. knew I could play for my club, I'd get paid really well. Um, I was able to retire one-club pie and for field, both wearing a Port Adelaide magpies in the premiership team in 96 as a 17-year-old and as probably a, what was it, a 25-year-old when we won the premiership in 2004. So uh, I don't think uh, we owe anything each other other than the respect. And I think the way I've handled this, certainly it's they don't like it, but if anyone would listen to the, you know, if I'd say to anyone, listen to the whole 18 minutes and I make, I make some very valid points in which I've discussed that with former teammates in the last week you know, and then they freedom, and then a lot of people freely admitted and then I can tell you in the media people are just taking the piece that they want to use and turn this into an attack on Ken Hinckley and kicking him out of the club mine was a mature discussion about where Port Adelaide should sit and what they should be looking at or whether they think this is the case and I'm not someone within the club um, so for me as a former player, there's interesting roles. There's tech blokes who want to do business with people in the club and get involved and, you know, set themselves up for life after, for example, uh, or while they're in life after. There's others who want to step up yeah. on the committees and, and help out, you know, help out in past players and help out in marketing committees and footy committees all that sort of stuff. There's others who step onto the board. There's been three or two in my time, I can remember. Darrell Wakeland was one when it was in the tough times and then also recently Gavin Wanganine, and he stepped down and you know, as we've said on this podcast, I attempted to do that but um, Port didn't see me fit at the time. That's fine. We move forward. Um, but the the situation where it sits is for, former players can really pick which role they want. You know, I know of many yeah. who have... Absolute legends of the club, and particularly Port LA Magpies, people who still live in Adelaide but have had nothing to do with the club for 40 years. Then there's others who go to the functions. I still go to the functions. I generally go to the best and fairest end of season launch at the start of the year. Do I go to every home game? No, there's a number of who go to most of the functions before matches. Everyone picks and chooses what they want in their life, and a lot of Port Greats who have been the greatest of the greats just sit in their seat in the Western Stand as a life member and sit quiet and just love the footy for what it is. So um, I think the roles are all over the place, unbelievably Mm -hmm. all over the place. But I think it doesn't change the way you love for your club or whatever. You can go away and come through and you can have argy-bargies and call things out. And and I've done this off the fact of of where I think these are genuine concerns. And no one has rebutted any of that this week. It's all been Mm -hmm. almost a personal sledgeback to discredit me, but guys I played for the club for 14 years you're not you can discredit my comment my comments if you actually listen to the whole thing but you can't actually discredit where I sit in Port Adelaide because that's just part of history it is it's it's done if you know what I mean you can't erase people playing for your club
1: yeah and you know you I think you you said in a in another interview that you'd still happily walk back into the club head held high um, no no issues whatsoever.
0: Yeah, I think there's, there's probably no doubt um, if I follow some of my former teammate Kane Corns' commentary to say some people are hurt by my comments. Yeah, because there's a lot of people working really hard too to try and do certain things. Um, that doesn't mean that you're not allowed for accountability or former players to talk out about it. But you know, people come and go in clubs. I still remember the the board who did a wonderful thing, and this is what can get lost too, is... The Adelaide Oval uh, board was pretty much the David Kosh led board. Different people, but similar, if you know what I mean, to the, the same sort of few crew, because I think there's about four or five who've yeah, been there, yeah. ten, around about the 10-year mark. And those guys took um, us, when I say us, Port Adelaide, my club, from football parks last year to Adelaide Oval. Um, but it was funny, I, was, I got a message from one guy who actually broke it all down, and he went through the, the numerous years. It was actually the Duncanson... Led board um, and CEO Mark Hazeman, who did this, the uh, the deal with the extra funding from the Sample and AFL to keep Port Adelaide in the positive territory many years back, they were the ones that changed to the new Guernsey. When I say the new Guernsey, the Black V, as opposed to the home strip we won the premiership in in two thousand and four, they were the ones that um, did the deal with the Sacker and Adelaide Oval and Adelaide, uh, sorry AFL, to get football to Adelaide Oval and be a financial model. so, And they were also the guys that were discarded by the AFL on the Saturday morning <laughs> of the grand final at the end of the 2012, uh, the morning breakfast at the 2012 meeting with the AFL uh, before the AFL grand final that year. So, yeah, it, it doesn't always sit well, but those guys did some unbelievably heavily lifting in that period of time. Um, and it yeah. can be lost on the, the actual facts of where things sit because everything looks great. And, and I'm not trying to diminish what the current board have done. I think they've done a great job of growing the club. And by all reports, I was told that they've now got, uh, I'm not sure what number, whatever, I, I, don't, I know the number actually, I won't say it, X amount of million-dollar sponsorship. So how many million-dollar sponsorship in the club? And those wasn't heard of in those old years. So there's a lot of progression and a lot of good things that have been done. But I do feel at certain times we've been stagnated by not being a ruthless club and making ruthless decisions.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you touched on the the fans and, and kind of what clubs owe their fans as investors and stakeholders in the club. Uh, you know, you said as well, like it's obviously not possible for a club to keep everyone happy. But what's missing here and, and what can Port and even other clubs do to, to change that?
0: Um, I think it's what I've seen is a couple of instances and I talked about it. It was the white noise comment. For me, it irritated me last year. Um, I know it irritated the fans. And in defence of the people saying it, I think they felt like they were under attack. And sometimes you can say stuff that it doesn't come out right. I get that. I've worked in media for years. But I think there's always got to be a utmost respect when we talk about how you communicate with your fans even though some of the questioning or some of the discussions can really drive you nuts I would assume from inside the club so when it comes to talking about um, former players former coaches former staff and I'm aware Port Adelaide has a board mantra that that says these things Um, but you know Oh yeah, you know, like personally, the last week I've been called delusional, unrealistic, ridiculous. Um, doing it for podcast—that stuff doesn't help. You know what I mean? When you say to your fans, white noise. When you say to, um, yeah, we don't listen to that outer army who or whatever. Or yeah, I'm not saying they said that, but along that lines is that we'll make the decision. Yeah,
1: alluding to it.
0: It's just you got to be careful how you. Um, you communicate with your stakeholders. You know, the classic one many years ago, and Choco hates me for saying it, my old coach, Mark Williams, is that Alan Scott, the former major sponsor, Scott's Transport, late Alan Scott, um, was a major, a co-major sponsor with Vodafone at the club. And he called 12 months earlier for um, uh, Mark Williams, saying, effectively saying, Port won't win a premiership under Mark Williams. And anyone who knows Choco is going to fight back. So then when we've won the premiership and I'm on the dice as acting captain, as I've been reminded by many people, and I've never forgotten that, I am the acting captain of the premiership team, not the captain for people <laughs> who want to play the personal games. It really doesn't really matter. Um, uh, is oh, I'm thanking the sponsors. So I've written it on my hand. I've got to thank the sponsors. So, you know, cods media manager and marketing person's coming out. you yeah, make sure you do this right. So it, when it turns into the commercial side of the celebrations of the premiership, and I said Vodafone, and he, and he told me many years later, he said, You know, when you said Vodafone, I knew you were going to say Scott's next. So then I wasn't going to go without. And the famous words were, Alan Scott, you were wrong. Put your hands up in the Premiership. So not only did that, he had a point to prove, and fans went, Yeah, I remember that comment. So they're dismissive of it. Yeah. Choco clearly it cut him deep. As players, I've gone, Oh gosh. Um, but then. The relationship, I think Greg Bolton was the club president. He certainly was the club president at that time. Had a reasonably close relationship, whether he'd done business or been on the Scots board or or I don't know, somehow in business they'd certainly built this relationship where he sponsored Port Adelaide. And that started through the Port Adelaide Magpies year in the 90s. So then there had to be a community camp all of a sudden appeared at Mount Gambier and it was all a bit of a kiss and make-up. So I think if (laughs) if respect is pushed forward... um, and don't be dismissive or come across as disrespectful or arrogant. I think that is the way that I think fans need to be heard. They need to be listened to. But they don't they are certainly not the decision maker. But as they say, yeah. it's a weight of numbers. If you've if you've got enough disgruntled members or whatever turning their back on an issue that's happened in the Premier League, then it forces people to um to listen up. So yeah. Yeah. Is it a, an issue? Yeah, you know, I've just flagged what I thought were the issues. Um, you know, there was, and what might not be known is a couple of years ago, um, I think there was an element of the outside of fans have made up their own tarp and smuggled it into Adelaide Oval. Um, and it was along the lines of Satkin Inkley, I think it was a few years ago. Um, it was only a club official that spotted it and confiscated it in the warm up. So there is an element where the fans will stand up, and Port Adelaide's yeah. a passionate base, so they're not going to sit back yeah. and, and take it and take nothing of it. But you know, if they really wanted um, really bang for their buck, they should have put it up in the broadcast. But Port did it in the warm up. They're a bit excited, some of the fans. But you know, for me, who yeah, and I, I'm not lost on the fact that this is someone's personal income and personal life. But the reality is, I've got to call out what I think has been really good performance in early days, yeah. and certainly inconsistent in recent times. And more, more importantly, what I felt have been inconsistent decision-making processes, um, which I don't think have benefited the club over a period of time. And, and if I don't like that, oh, I've said that privately to people. The fact that I said what I said in a podcast yeah. is that it's got out. That's what they're annoyed at. I said that to numerous people. Yeah, And that's probably, and to be fair, that's that's why... I probably didn't fit their criteria to step up and, and help on the board. I'm not delusional. I'm aware of all this.
1: Yeah. Well, traders, it's been a uh, a massive talking point. Obviously, it's going to continue to to play out as the season goes on. Um, you know, we're not exclusively covering your, your views on this <laughs> on the podcast every single week. Well, we week. haven't
0: touched footy <laughs> since Jason or francis um, I don't think. Now, we did a little bit of yeah. it, but we, we spoke to Jason Cripps almost, what, six months ago now at Ports List Manager about that amazing trade to get Horn Francis through the door. So you can't be accused of being absolutely. negative all the time.
1: No, absolutely, mate. But uh, thank you to our listeners for tuning in to the Big Deal Podcast. If you're new here, thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, after all, we, you know, we have had some new join us traders because the whole motivation for this from from what we hear from from some quarters is you just wanted to drive drive downloads so well done sir i appreciate that it's been <laughs> been great the the, the the plan has all come yeah. in it's, Got it's been working to beautifully all, so. no,
0: let's just get our
1: podcast no stuff. absolutely and we also have a weekly wrap of the big deals in sports business we're actually going to be introducing a new audio format so stand by for that Make sure you join our community at www.thebigdeal.au as we continue to take you deeper into the business of sport. Thanks for listening.
0: Before you go, don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news as it happens, and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.